Welcome to another episode of What Are You Learning? This week, John Mayer and I have a special guest. Head volleyball coach at Stanford, Kevin Hambly, joins us. Kevin shares some things he is investigating and working on to help his athletes see their identity as not necessarily just volleyball players, but more than a volleyball player. And he's using uh, storytelling to kind of help them in this process. So a really uh, fun time with Kevin as he shares what he's doing. John shares with us some things he's doing with his team in the area of mindfulness. Both these guys are really well read. They're constantly learning to get better so they can better help their athletes. And they do a really good job of articulating uh, what they're learning and how they're implementing it. So I'm really pumped for you to hear from both Kevin Hambly and my co-host, John Mayer. Kevin, thanks for joining us. And uh, we'll just hop right in. What are you learning? What are you studying? What are you, what are you working on lately? Yeah. So I, you know, I was looking at originally a lot of stuff that I've heard John talk about, like ecological systems and constraints, uh, constraints led approach and things like that. And I was, I was kind of going down that path and I'm going to continue down that path, but I was really pulled in a different direction on an article I came across um, probably about three weeks ago that talked about the suicide rates amongst adolescents at this time or attempted suicide rates amongst adolescents due to COVID and due to like their lives changing. And the lack of, of them having the opportunity to socialize. And so I really started looking at that and just kind of what this impact is um, that our athletes are going through, my athletes are going through right now. I mean, I can tell you that I have more athletes talking to counselors than I ever have. And so as I've kind of dug into that and looked into it, it really comes back to something that we focus on a lot is, is just identity and how identity is tied into, you know, these athletes and trying to remove that piece of, of uh, that, volleyball is just what they do as opposed to who they are. And I think especially for our younger athletes, they're so used to being players, they're so used to being out on the court, they're so used to doing that, that this is really, you know, and typically when freshmen come in, if they don't play, they struggle with that, but not even be able to train, not even be able to exercise that has really, um, I don't know, opened my eyes to how serious we need to look at this. And um, yeah, so I, I've just been reading a lot about, and then trying to figure out the best ways to, to, um, kind of message that to our athletes about removing that identity. Like I am, a, I am Jen, but that, that doesn't mean that. And I, and I play volleyball. That's what I do. And I'm a student. That's what I do. And I, you know, I'm a, I'm a sister and I'm a girlfriend or whatever. I'm all those things, but that's not who I am. And I'm trying to figure out ways to do that. And it really, the thing that I've really latched onto is just goes back to kind of storytelling and, um, and a lot of preemptive storytelling, like talking, talking through some things like, Hey, if we're not allowed to do this, what's the story I'm going to tell myself? Like, let's say the season doesn't happen for us. I know you're going to struggle with these things. Let's, let's create a story now, as opposed to waiting to when we're in the moment to have to replace those thoughts or change those thoughts and kind of get ahead of that so that when we can, we can call upon stories um, that we can, you know, to tell ourselves so that we're not struggling with it as, to as great a deal as we could potentially that just catches us off guard. So I don't know if that makes sense, but I'm just, so I've been really diving into the storytelling and then trying to separate all that kind of stuff out, which is really fascinating. And the power of that is I found to be, even, even now just talking through it with my athletes has been, it's been a really powerful tool for us to use. So that's what I'm learning. That's what I'm working on. Love it. So I'm going to fire one question at you. Have you, have you worked through some stories? Are you working in conjunction with your, with your women to come up with stories? And if so, 
give us, you might not want to give us a personal example, but give us an idea of a story that you're working on or the girl, yeah. ladies are working on. So, so uh, I am, and we, we, I are, I, I am with them and we are together more was how I would like to say, like, I'm not trying to create the story. They need to create their own stories because it has to have meaning for them, but they run it by me. The ones, especially that are struggling the most, they run it by me. And, you know, an example of the story was, it's like, yes, I don't get to play volleyball, but I am all these other things. I am, you know, like I was talking about, like I, 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 I go into school and I'm going to have an impact on, you know, my education. I'm going to be a good citizen in my society, in my, in my community, because I'm going to be able to do these other things. Like I'm, I'm helping out doing blood drives and, you know, what are the other things that I can replace that with? And so it's more of like, Hey, reminding them of all the things that they're doing that instead of focusing on the things that they're not doing and looking at the positive thing, where can they still have the same impact? And then a little bit about what's your purpose? Like my purpose is to have an impact on others. And so, you know, and so, or their impact is, to you know, try to succeed at the highest level. So what are the things you can't succeed in at this point as opposed to what are the things you can't? So it's a lot about, um, I know they're all kind of forming them now. So it's like, I, and I don't want to share their personal ones, you know, right. but it's, it's more about, I'm just kind of staying broad on this, but it's more about focusing on the things that they can control and the things that, that do have meaning for them still. Um, and then reminding themselves at the end of that, like, but even if those things go away, that's still not who I am. You know, and I think that's the, that's the important message at the end of it is all, like I, I'm still just at the end, at the core, I'm Kevin. I'm not a coach. I'm not a husband. And I'm like, those things don't encompass me. I am a human being. And that's just, you know, who I am. And I can remove those things and still be the same person. And I think that's a, that's a challenge, especially for young adolescent athletes. Good. What have you done to help them maybe discover their story, especially as it's maybe being rewritten, they've lost maybe the main narrative of, of sport. Yeah. And they're not really clear on like, what is, you know, what is important to me? Totally. Just going back down to the core of like values. Like what do they actually value? What are the things that <clears throat> that they find have meaning for their lives? I think one of the challenges is people search for happiness a lot. You know, like I want to be happy. And then we, we say that a lot and it's, we don't talk about that very much. We talk a lot more, more about purpose, kind of living a purpose-driven life. And so like, what are the things that encompass that purpose and how do you find purpose? And we mentioned Megan McClure, you know, like a little bit earlier, like, um, She's one of our athletes. And I think she would, she'd be one of the few that I'd be fine kind of sharing whatever. Like she really wants her, her purpose in life that she sees it is to educate inner city youth and educate young athletes that have issues, whether it's, uh, I don't know, her, like, well, her sister has, has Down syndrome. So she's really kind of passionate about kids that are disabled kids, you know, and trying to help them. And so she's found ways to connect to that community still. And then tells herself like, Hey, if I can't play this season, it being my last season, my career ends, it doesn't change my purpose in life. My purpose in life is to have an impact on these, these people. So that's a, that's one example that I can give you. If that makes sense, John. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin, have you in, in this, this might be getting too far ahead. Cause I know you're kind of in the initial stages of this, but have you thought um, let's just say, 2023 and COVID's behind us and your, your, uh, your women are coming on campus to start the season, to start the fall. Do you continue to do this? I mean, have you thought through like, dude, maybe this is a, not just a COVID thing. Maybe this is a forever thing. Well, I've been on the topic of, or on the idea of storytelling with our athletes, you know, for a while, but it's always been about performance. It's always been about, you know, like, Hey, you're, you get anxious in these big moments. Like, tell yourself the story, a story, like to let's create a story for yourself so that you can see yourself in that moment so that you can call upon that. Like the idea of replacing this, 
isn't new. Like to me, like it's not a new concept. It's it's kind of where, I mean, visualization. It's it's, it's similar to that, right? But it's right. trying to put more more meat on the bones sometimes, and like actually put yourself in that situation where you feel it, you smell it, you can you can your body can, um, I don't know, you can recreate what it felt like last time you were to be nervous in that moment, and what are the things you're going to do preemptively. Uh, to get yourself out of that or to not allow yourself to go into that same place where you got too anxious. Like I, f- I focus on that. Uh, um, this has been, especially with the idea of the, the identity piece being wrapped up in it. This is new for me to, to try to figure out ways to tell that story with the identity. You know, the, the con the conversation about identity has been important in trying to remove that, but the storytelling piece, um, just the more I've dug into it and the more people are doing research on it, it just seems like it, it makes a lot of it makes a lot of sense to me, and it's made a lot of sense to our athletes as we talk through these things. It's good, yeah. You talked about um, athletes seeing maybe a counselor, but what about the role of like a coach? How can a coach play that role uh, of being a counselor and being there in these tough times? Yeah, I think that's the that's a really challenging thing, right? Because I, I've read lots of psychology books and I've, you know, I've read all this stuff, but I am not equipped to handle some of these issues mm-hmm. that these athletes are having, especially uh, the issues when we talk about potential suicide, you know, or like when people are talking about depression, but not just, I mean, everyone's a little bit depressed at this time because we're not able to do the things that we really want to do at times. But so we can manage that a little bit when you're talking about the level of clinical where you're worried about people potentially committing suicide. I've always seen that my role is, to be a place where they're safe to have that conversation with me. And then I can connect them to the resources and help them kind of connect and help them find the appropriate resource and give them the kind of the courage to go down that path. And I feel like that's been more of my role now. And that's where I feel comfortable. I don't feel comfortable. I feel comfortable with them talking to me about anything, but I don't feel comfortable with like trying to help guide them through the clinical depression that is at the point where um, they could take their life. You know, I don't, I, and uh, I wish I had that skill because I'm sure it would come in handy, but I've turned that over to the experts. Yeah, no, I've, I've felt the same thing at times, but I've also noticed that sometimes I think it's, it's gotten better, but athletes and, and people feel like there's a little bit of a stigma of if I go, you know, to a professional and if I go get help, then it's, then it's real and then I'm really in trouble. Is there anything yeah. you've done to help them get over that stigma? Yeah, I mean, sometimes just talked about the frequency of number of athletes that have done that and like not mention names, but you know, all Americans and try to like kind of, especially young athletes figure that out. But also um, I think just talk about how, how important and scary this is. And like, you got to kind of get over that a little bit. Like I get that stigma, but look, you're at a place where this is, I wouldn't be telling you to go down this path. If the things you were telling me that I, when I hear you talk about it, worried me about you hurting yourself. If I didn't think you were, I was worried about you hurting yourself, we would say, hey, let's keep talking. Let's keep working through this. But when it gets to that point, like we just got to live in reality. And I agree with you, like just going to talk to a sports psychologist and do all that stuff. Like I never push athletes that direction I, unless at some point where I feel like it's an eating disorder or, well, anything that's going to hurt themselves really. But that's the main ones is the eating disorder and the clinically depressed to the point of potential suicide. That's when I absolutely like, hey, look, I, we have to go this direction and try to remove that and just understand like we have to work on the stigma. And also, but you can, you know, with the athletes, you can talk about, hey, look, all none of these guys are going to reveal what's going on. And there's ways that we can, if you really are worried about that, there's back doors that we can get you into or meet in different places where you're not around other athletes that are there um, worried about being judged for these issues that you have. Because I know that's a big issue with athletes as well. 
So mm -hmm. sorry, that wasn't a very concise answer, but it's a, it's a, um, it's a challenging topic because I think it's really hard for the athletes to kind of, I agree to go over that, to go down that, that path of seeing a counselor sometimes. I mean, something's desperately wrong with me, you know, and yeah, something is, we have to get over that a little bit. Yeah. Kevin, I, lo I love where you're at with, cause it sounds like you're trying to get out in front of this. So it, you know, hopefully it doesn't get to a point where they come to you at the end of their rope where maybe they're thinking about hurting themselves. I, it reminds me, and I don't know who said this quote, but the quote of whatever you focus on grows. And so it's, I love what you're doing, trying to reframe the, the time we're in, trying to reframe how they see themselves, their story, they tell themselves. So hopefully you, uh, yes, everyone's struggling. Yes, it can be tough, but it doesn't get to the point where, yeah, like you said, that to where you're having to, to, to uh, you know, send them to, to, or encourage them to go to professional help. Cool. Thanks. I hope it, I hope it helps our athletes. Cause that's, you know, it's a hard time. We talked about this. We don't know when we're going to start our season. And so that's going to make this even harder. So we'll really be testing this to see if it's working. But um, so far, I, I really like the way that they're responding to. I've always liked the way our athletes have responded to the storytelling piece. I feel like it, it makes it a little bit more fun and more interesting for them than just doing the visualization of seeing themselves do a play because they can they put themselves in scenarios uh, and they can try to make it real. But um, we'll see how it works in this case. It seems like from stuff I'm reading that it, it should work out pretty well for us. And I, I think I maybe um, maybe you said it, but I'm trying to remember with the storytelling, is it, are they writing it down? Is it like they're, or is it like they're just telling you out loud and kind of going through it? And is it changing? Is it, you know, I, I, yeah, I leave it up to them to make it their own, whatever that is, like however they want to do it. Some people have written it down. Some people have um, just told me it. And then and the key is the key is in all of it is they keep telling themselves, obviously, the story and they keep working through it and they keep crafting it. I think I think it always is evolving. It's always changing. It's always evolving. And I know way. I mean, I have a better sense of that with when we're talking about performance based stuff. Like there was an athlete we had last year that really struggled in big moments. And um, she told herself the story to like to kind of overcome that like moment and put herself in the national championship match, taking the swing on, on, on national championship point, you know, in front of 17,000 people and all that stuff. And when that moment came, she was, she was able to call on that and was super calm and said that that helped her a lot. But that, that story putting herself in that moment was something that evolved. You know, at first it was just like, Hey, next time we're playing SC, I want to make sure I'm, I'm calm in this moment. And then, then she was like, we, her and I talked about, Hey, you really, what's really important is, in this big stage. And so she started to craft that story for herself and it was real. And then it ended up, I mean, I'm not going to say her name, but she had the last point for us and was pretty confident and hit a shot that was not an easy shot to win the match. And it was exactly how she pictured it, which was really cool. You know, every coach dreams of that working out like that, but, and it did in that moment. But I think for her, like a storytelling, getting ahead of it, she was, she was prepared for that and had practiced it too. That's the other part. You get to practice that in the moments you had leading up to that super big moment. It sounds like maybe they, they share the story. If you, if you see it kind of going down a path that might be, uh, I don't know, not as helpful. Do you, do you steer it? Do you direct them? Yeah. If there's anything in it that seems a little bit um, passive or, you know, like hmm. sometimes they're um, self-deprecating in the moment, you know, like when they're saying it, cause like they're just used to talking in those terms. It's like, it's gotta be a powerful statement. It's gotta be one that focuses on all the positives. And it's gotta be powerful. Hmm. And tell them and they got to tell themselves in that there has to be like, here's who I am in that moment. Like, here's how I'm going to act. Here's how I'm breathing. Here's how I'm thinking. Here's what I, here's what's going through my head. Here's what I'm going to do. You know, like all that stuff. It's just, when you tell that story, it's just, it's gotta, it's gotta have life. 
it's, you know, and I, when I visualize when I was an athlete, I'd see myself hitting a quick and going wrist away, you know, inside the middle, you know, like and the, I get the call, that's what I'd see. And then I'd go up and I, you know, you do it, but it didn't have life. It wasn't breathing. It wasn't a living, breathing thing in my mind. It was just see, almost being outside of myself, seeing myself do something. And that's how I visualized, you know, things. This is at a greater, it focuses on the emotions of it and all that stuff, which I think has been really, really helpful. So, so Kevin, you're, uh, you're talking to a coach who has not done any of the storytelling, maybe none, no visualization. Give some maybe baby steps or some initial steps that you would mm. encourage them just to start this process. I would, so it'd be much easier for me to talk about the performance side of it, right? Cause it's a little bit less abstract, sure. you know, but I, I would say like kind of the things I was just talking about is I would encourage them to talk to the athletes of put your, what, what is the situation that you struggled in? You know, you're, you're in serve reception and the person's serving you and it's game point is 24, 23. And you, you shanked that and you're, that's, you're living with that still and you can't get over that. So next time that that happens in a big moment, um, let's recreate that moment in our head. Let's remember what you felt like, you know, get in that moment. Remember the feelings you had. What did your heart feel like now? What do you want that moment to look like? What do you want to feel like? What do you want? How should your body feel? What should your heart rate be like? What should your breathing be right? Like, how do you see yourself executing that? How do you see your team responding? Like how do you, like all of it, who do we set in that moment? Like all those things and just try to like really give it life. And just like, if you're telling a story and a short story, you're just writing it out and trying to have someone else. And if you described it to somebody, they could feel it, you know, that like they could feel that moment and they could, it has an emotional and a physical attachment to it. And it feels alive. Love that. Does that make sense? So, yes. like, but I would not, I don't think that I would have the, I wouldn't have the athletes I wouldn't be direct as a coach. I think the thing that coaches might try to write that for them. And that would be the mistake. The athletes need to write that yeah, and then share it or not share it either. You know, I think that's okay too, as long as they're doing it. I think it's important. Love it. It's such a, it's such a like natural thing for our species. I feel like that's how like we've, that's what we've been doing. That's how we evolved. That's how we kind of, uh, I don't know, I guess grew as a, a species so it's it's something that's going on all the time so yeah it seems like it'll come out naturally but but i think like you said a lot of times it might come out to the negative side or the passive side so to really go about it the way you are would, makes sense yeah sorry john i thought i thought you were no, no, that was, I, yeah. I would say 90 percent of the time if not 100 percent of the time the natural story we tell ourselves is negative yeah yep. so if you know and i used to spend a lot of time on replacing those thoughts like really focused on you, you, this thought comes in your mind and then you replace it with something else, right? There's been some, there's some research on that and, you know, like mental toughness. I think a lot of people would like, it was, that was defined, like replacing those thoughts. Um, so to me, this makes a lot more sense. Like, let's get ahead of it. It's like reacting in a game, like instead of reacting to what's coming, let's be prepared for whatever could potentially come. And then when that moment's there, it's not given a chance to like have negative thoughts. Let's be thinking positive thoughts right from the beginning and, and put ourselves in the place that we want to be. So that's when I really, it really started to make sense to me is when, cause I, cause naturally we're all negative thoughts. Like if we let our heads just go, that's what happens is we're thinking negative. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Essentially you're, you're, you're getting your athletes to control the narrative. Trying. I wouldn't say I'm getting them to I'm I'm trying to encourage them to, to, you know, go down that path and the ones that have seen the value have really seen the value of it. Yeah. No, this is great. I mean, I think uh, he's doing more than trying a couple of national championships. It seems like there's uh, something that's working. So yeah, I love <laughs> yeah. It. no, it's great. It makes uh, a lot of sense to me. Yeah, okay. cool. um, Kevin, great job. I love that. Let's, let's go, John, what are you learning right now? What are you working on? 
yeah. So I've been, um, I guess for a long time, not a long time, five years or, or, or more hearing a lot of people talk about the value of mindfulness and really myself like fighting it like, uh, and kind of being a little bit skeptical at times, but over and over hearing these like really smart people that I respect who like do it every day. And, but part of me was just like, you know, I'd, I'd just rather like read a book or like, you know, watch a Ted talk than spend 10 minutes, like just sitting in my room, you know, thinking about my breath. It seems kind of selfish. Um, but I, I think that probably shows my just lack of understanding of, of the benefits. And I think it's, there's more science behind it that there's, there's lots of benefits to it. Um, but so something that's gotten me to, um, get more into it is this idea of social noting, which is a more social um, mindfulness practice and, and something that can be done with teams. So that kind of fired me up on it. Um, so the idea is that the way we do it, you do it in small groups. So we do maybe groups of four or five before practice starts, even before our dynamic warm up. Um, and we'll I'll have different exercises. So one of them would be. Um, we'll call it mind states where you, you note or you say the attitude of mind or the emotion that you're noticing in that moment. So we'd kind of just go in a circle sequentially, sequentially out of our eyes closed. And uh, one person would say nervous. And then the next person would go and they'd say excited. And then the next person would go and, and, and we'd just keep going in a circle for, we'd do five minutes and, and the, the things you see in something like that is just how much your mind and your attitude and your emotions can change in a short period of time and how much you're influenced by what your teammate might say. Um, so yeah, we've done exercises like that. Uh, there's other ones where we'll do like a gratitude one where this one would be more spontaneous where anytime you're feeling a sense of gratitude for something, you just say, thank you. So we'll just sit in a circle. And that, again, it sounds maybe a little like, uh, maybe a little kumbaya, but uh, we sit in a circle and when you feel great, grateful for something, you say thank you. And it's kind of cool when like three of you at the same time are saying thank you. Um, another one that we've done, uh, we'll say just sitting. So anytime you, 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 you're just, you're okay with sitting, like sitting is just enough and you're not somewhere else in the same kind of idea with our eyes closed sitting in a circle, you'd say just sitting and you'd say it spontaneously. And the thing I really liked, there's lots of other ones where I can go through more. The thing I liked about this is that I found there was a lot more transfer from there to practice and to life where, you know, we do that just sitting exercise. And then, um, you know, maybe the next day I was kind of overwhelmed and rushing to practice and, and thinking about all that I was doing. And, and then I, on my walk to, to our courts, I'd say, oh, you know, just walking. And all of a sudden I get a little bit present. I get a little bit more in the moment and, and our players would do the same thing. Um, maybe after shanking a ball, after not siding out, um, they'd say to themselves, just passing and, and you get a little bit more present. And then, so I'm rambling on for the other one, the, the attitudes of mind or the, uh, the states of mind. Um, you know, I think lots of times in matches, things like nervousness pop up and, and excitement and, and anxiety and, just that ability to be able to notice it and name it, um, you know, and practice, practicing that skill each day allows them to, yeah, notice I'm, I'm anxious right now. I, I can feel it. I felt it before I can name it. And now I can go be who I want to be because I've, you know, I've started to notice it a little bit. So that's yeah, what we've been messing around with. Love it. 
Yeah, it's so interesting. Um, I'm with you, John, on the whole thing about mindfulness. I have a hard time, especially getting teams to do that. So how did your team respond when you first presented this? And how long did it take to kind of get it integrated? (laughs) Um, I mean, I think they're still responding. You know, some of them (laughs) like it more than others. Um, We did have uh, Peter Habril, who's a sports psychologist with uh, USSC. He did a, a Zoom call and explained a lot of the why behind it, a lot of the benefits Um, So I think that helped a lot. And he took us through some of the exercises and um, I think that helped. And then I really tried to be like, Hey, you know, this is uncomfortable for me. This is, I'm not great at this and this is hard for me to do. And Hey, maybe this won't work. Like, but, but let's give it a shot. Like let's, let's give it a go. And, and um, it's going to be really awkward. Like you guys are going to, it's going to be hard at first, but I think we're going to get better at it and let's give it, you know, a couple of weeks and see where we're at with it. So it seemed like with that, that helped. And then after each session, so we do our little five minute of sitting, you know, you, you name your emotion. We, I'd have a coach with each group and the coach would just, okay, you know, what'd you guys notice? We'd, we'd really debrief on it. Like, how could you use this today at practice? And really trying to connect it to, we didn't just sit here for five minutes and, and breathe and notice, like, let's figure out how we can use it today. And I think that like them seeing and seeing them use it in practice and about help them to start to buy in more. But yeah, I think that whole idea, you know, just explaining why we're doing it and, and having it tie into life and to, to practice helped. Can you, can you give some generic examples of how that five minutes actually ties into practice or performance on, on the court? Yeah. Um, I mean, I was that, that one example of like the, the gratitude practice of thank you, um, where you just, just whenever you feel grateful, you say, thank you. Um, I remember one day we were out, uh, it was actually really hot. It was early in the semester. We had a pretty strong heat wave here in LA. And this, um, I, I think I was standing next to one of our players and this little breeze picked up and she goes, thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and just, you know, just this like little moment where maybe normally we would have never noticed this breeze and, you know, you're complaining about all the, the, the negatives. Uh, but I think cause that day we had practiced a little bit of gratitude and she had this concept of, you know, especially when you do this exercise of thank you and you do it for five minutes, you start to like, thank you to the like farmers who cooked my breakfast. Like you go like to all these like little, you're like trying to find thank yous of all these like little details. So I think you just start to look for that stuff when you practice it. Um, And then, yeah, the other one of like, I think I was given the example of after negative plays. And I like this idea of like to name, name it, to tame it. Like when, when, nervousness, anxiety comes up. I think a lot of times what we've been told in the past and Kevin was alluding to earlier is like, you know, just avoid it. Don't think about it. You know, you're not nervous here. We're, you know, we're really embracing it. Like we want to notice it. We want to name it like, and we're going to name it and we're going to, and once we notice it, then we can like, we can problem solve and we can figure out who we want to be. But if you ignore it or if you aren't aware of it, if you're blind to it, then it's going to really, it's going to own you. So yeah, just, I think in practice or in games, um, that, you know, we, we do one where you say that there is, there is a problem, there is nervousness, there is uh, fearfulness. And so sometimes in practice, they'll be, I don't know, after a mistake, I'll just see them take a second, you know, there is, you know, anxiousness. Um, and then, you know, that's, they named it, they tamed it and all right, you know, let's go try to take on this ball. I love the vulnerability piece of this, where they're saying to their teammates and like sharing their emotions with each other. That's really cool. What, what are the other benefits that Peter talked about? that maybe we haven't, you haven't touched on yet, just as far as like this practice. I, I think the, um, the team aspect, yeah, of, 
um, of being in, in that group and hearing your teammates like share some of these like vulnerable moments. And, and I think also seeing, you know, a lot of these debriefs, they'll be like, I think a couple of things they'll notice is how quickly things can change. Like I can go, like I just said, I was calm and then it goes around a circle and eight seconds later, I'm anxious. And then eight seconds later, I'm excited. And then just how, and, and how little we probably control it and how random it is. And then also how much we're influenced by the people around us. You know, you can really see, oh, she said, she said this. And it really like, you know, that made me think of something. So I, I think you, um, yeah, you become more aware of, um, that's a lot of this stuff is out of your control. You know, we don't get to decide what we think so much or think what emotions pop up. It's so I think realizing that, you know, is, is helpful. It's not like you're, I don't know, you're a bad player or a, a uns, you know, not a elite player because you have nerves. Uh, that's completely normal and and again out of your control. And then um, yeah, I think just that that connection to teammates, like kind of knowing where everyone's at going into the day. Like I really got to be with this group and and I have a sense of how they're feeling and where they're at. And um, yeah, I think those are some of them. I'm sure I'm missing more. Peter would probably tell you about five more, but those are some. I wonder too, uh, John, just thinking out loud here how this is going to help them going forward in their life. Just like with the emotional intelligence piece, like I know for me personally, um, growing up, I just, you know, you just stuff and move on. You just, you just stuff everything down and keep moving yeah. on. And you look up when, you know, in your twenties or thirties and you're like, Holy cow, I'm not very emotionally intelligent. Cause all I've ever done is stuff and move on where I just wonder if not only performance wise on, on the, on the, on the beach for you guys, but just for life, just emotional intelligence, just to have a feel and be able to read other people, be able to know your own self. I got to imagine it's going to help beyond just this, you know, their college career. Yeah, no, I think you nailed it. And, and when you when you first do this, or at least when I first did it, I felt like really inept vocabulary wise. Like I didn't, like I wasn't really able to specifically say the emotion. Like I was close a lot. Like I was kind of just broad. And the more you do it and thankfully Peter has this big list. So I'll put it on the whiteboard. Like here's a lot of common emotions and it's, you know, there's lots of words that maybe we, we don't think of as often. And then as you start to do it and you hear other people say, I mean, you just, your vocabulary gets, gets, you know, wider. And then you're able to really have that emotional intelligence and actually notice what it is versus these more broad, broad terms. And then, yeah, for sure. I mean, I've, I've used this already a lot. I mean, even today, like I get a little, like doing this with you guys, I get a little nervous. So like, you know, just for a second before, uh, you know, just noticing like nervous, like just saying it like, okay, all right. <laughs> like that's real. Like that's, that's how I feel right now. So I've definitely tried to use it a lot in life. And, um, you know, I, I think some of our girls, you know, probably think it's silly and aren't that into it. And some of them are really into it and, and use it throughout the day and have talked about how they used it before a test or, you know, they're doing a speech or things like that. So, um, yeah, I think there's a lot of transfer to life or there can be if, if you buy into it. So that, that's what I liked most about it. Have you, did you try other things before, like mindfulness things that, and you, you saw like, like, what's the contrast between this and, and the other things that you've tried in the past? I don't know if that's a great question, but if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we do. So we always did, um, called it mindset. Um, Aaron Mansfield brought it to us uh, f from the indoor program. And we did, um, it was like 30 seconds of gratitude where you think about things you're thankful for. 
um, a couple minutes of visualization and then, um, gosh, what's the last, my, my assistant coach usually runs it, but yeah, it's like a four or five minute thing that they kind of go through. Um, and, yeah, a little bit of breathing exercise. And now what we do is we do this one day and that the next day, I think w- with the, um, with that, it was great. It just gets a little redundant. It was like the same thing over and over and over. And, and I, I think the other thing that to go back to your question of the benefit of this is in that exercise, you're guided by the coach and you could really do whatever you want. Like you, you're just, you know, you could be thinking about anything and not be really involved in the exercise. And, and I think I found a lot when I've done my own mindfulness practice is it's like maybe one or two minutes I can focus on my breath. And then the other eight minutes I'm thinking about breakfast and, and whatever, like it's really, really hard to focus. Right. And I think that's, I guess some of the benefit of it is trying to focus where when you do this and you have that social pressure of it's going to come to me and I've, you know, I've got to be aware of my emotion. Like your level of focus is amplified and it's, it's probably the most focused maybe I've ever been for five minutes because of that added social pressure. So I think that's really, really one of the the big benefits, the the level of focus you have to bring. Um, But, but I think it's nice going back and forth between, you know, a more guided one where they get some chances to visualize and then this one where, you know, it's social, you're having to say something every couple seconds and uh, your focus is, is amplified. So yeah, I've, I've liked doing the mixture. Cool. This, this is, this question is for both of you guys. Do you think that mindfulness has become more and more popular because of the, the rat race known as social media and the constant scrolling and the constant just buzz that we have going on in our brains? Do you, Cause it's, I mean, it is really popular now, like everywhere you look, it feels like mindfulness is, is talked about. Yeah. I'd be curious what, what, why you guys think this is catching so much traction. I'll let John answer first. Uh, your answer would be way better. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I'm sure that's a big part of it. Um, yeah, I think the way our lives are now, there's so much being thrown at us so fast. And, um, I think like really one of our big superpowers we're going to have to have moving forward is self-awareness because right now, like, and I don't want to get too like, uh, dreadful, but like, I mean, algorithms and social media, they're going to know you better than you know yourself. And, and they're going to say, this is what you should like, and this is what you should look at. And, and if you don't spend time to get to know yourself, then you're not going to have any control over the life you live. So, um, I think it's going to be, I mean, I think the people who are able to adapt and really know themselves and, and live a purposeful life. I think this is probably going to have to be a part of what you do. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. I think Travis, you hit on it, you know, and John hit on a lot of same things. It's just, it's hard to be present because with the phone in your hand, because yeah. you could easily get pulled into someone else's life. And so the idea of being present, I think obviously that is one reason why it's becoming more popular, I guess. Um, the other reason I think is that a lot of universities and uh, you know, a lot of universities have hired people that uh, sports psychologists that have brought this to programs where that wasn't the case just because of resources. Mm-hmm. And a lot of athletes are talking about this and, you know, you even, even players like um, Kevin Love, well, is not afraid to admit like he needs to work on his head. Like he had depression issues and here's a player that has everything, you know, $30 million contract and, you know, model girlfriend and all this stuff. And he's still dealing with depression because of all these other pressures that are from the outside. And so, and he's practicing mindfulness as well as other things. And I think athletes being willing to speak up and then the resources being allocated to universities, I think those two things, uh, the social pressures and then the, the, the money being allocated has helped a great yeah. deal. Yeah. 
You know, it's it's funny. Uh, the other night, I I was I did an hour and a half cohort with some coaches, and I get off and I go into my room and I lay in my bed and I open up my phone and I just start figuring out scores and in NFL playoffs and who's in and who's out. And I, I would say forty five minutes ish. I just felt like I mean, literally, it felt like I was going so fast because I hadn't. You know, I did an hour and a half cohort and then go straight to article after article after article after article. And I remember thinking, this is, this is the, the weird buzz that I don't like. like I, and so I, I put my phone down and um, just sat there. And, I, and when I do meditation, I come at it from a, a faith standpoint. I'm a follower of Jesus. And so I, mine's probably slightly different, but the same concept. I just, it was like I needed to let the soot in my mind settle. And as I sat there, in silence more, I could just feel it settle. And I got back to a place where I didn't feel out of control. And my mind wasn't buzzing with all the, the, the stuff that I was putting in it. I saw tangibly what it, what it feels like to like legitimately like stop and just be present in the moment and don't have, don't no intake and just sit and let like the soot settle. So I could see and think clearly. It was a really profound moment that I had of like, ah, that is that is what mindfulness is. That is what it's like to just stop and be present. Yeah. I think you nailed it, but I think there's other ways to do it. It doesn't always have to be that. I think like sports been that for a lot of people for a long time. Like it's a chance for me to really be present and to let out, you know, or music or there's, I think there's different ways to do this. Um, but it seems like, uh, people are exercising maybe less or doing, you know, creative things less. So this is another way to like try to spend some time just noticing where you're at in this moment. Um, so yeah, and it, it, there's so many like apps and little ways that you can do it and it doesn't take a lot of time, I think, to get something in. Yeah. I know for me, just for as from the coaching side of it, if I don't spend three to five minutes getting myself right before practice that I can't be present for the athletes. Cause there's so many things that you're dealing with and you walk in when I walk into the gym, hopefully walk into the gym here sometime soon, but like, you're just, you have to deal with these, all these questions with administrators from administrators or from compliance or recruiting and this call and that. And um, I mean, what's more important than being present there for the athletes and mm -hmm. finding that way to be present. Um, it's really easy to get pulled out of that, you know? And um, so practicing. I, I love that you're doing it with your group. You, the coaches are doing it with your team. That's really cool that you guys are doing that together and all being vulnerable together in that moment. I love that going back to the, to the original thing that you're talking about. But it's really yeah. cool. Yeah. That was important to me that we were all, the whole staff was doing it and we were, you know, we were in it with them and, and that we shared that, you know, we don't know what the heck we're doing, but we're going to try it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, I think the one thing I didn't add to the practice, if people are going to try it is uh, lots of times it is hard to know, like to be able to name it. So one of the, like call it like the pressure release valve is to say, don't know. So if you're in that circle and you're going around and it's, it's fine to do that too. So to give them that out. And we even do like, so you can be a silent witness too, if you want to just sit in for one and get a mm -hmm. feel for it. So there's, I think there's easy, like if you get thrown right into it, it's, it can be pretty awkward and pretty uncomfortable, which I think there's some benefits to that too. Cause that's, you're, hopefully you start to notice those feelings and emotions. Um, and but there's way, We'll yeah, exactly. No, exactly. Um, but yeah, I think the, there's ways to, um, kind of ease people into it and you can start with a minute and just see how it goes. So, yeah. Love it. And I want to end with this question real quick and I want to hear from both of you. Uh, Kevin, you mentioned it just a little bit, but I'd love to hear maybe your guys's daily rhythms 
uh, as a coach with recruiting and administration and obviously the, the, the student athletes and staff and all the things that are, are going on, maybe walk us through what does a, a day look like for you guys? Maybe highlight the points when you do slow down and what has helped you guys to be clear thinking, to be present, to be creative and not get sucked into the vortex of busy work. I'd love to hear maybe, uh, Kevin, why don't you start? I'd love to hear your rhythms. Yeah. In a normal world or a normal, more normal world. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, uh, get, we get to the office pretty early, like seven 30, um, not, not super early used to, but our kids are going to school at that time. So head to the office and, uh, I usually knock out. The first thing I do is knock out all the emails that I have to get to the, the things that I, that are going to bother me, um, later on, if I don't, if I don't take care of them, not the busy work emails, but the ones from my administrator, from my AD, mm-hmm. I knock those out. And then I take, it usually takes about a half hour to 45 minutes. And then I take a while and I start right kind of the, I like to write practice at that point in the morning because there's no one around. Usually my wife's there with me and I have my own office. I shut my door and I, I start to write practice and kind of get myself in that mindset for what needs to happen. And then we do a staff check-in and we talk about practice and what things we want to change that they don't like about the practice that I wrote. And, you know, what do they want to add and kind of go through all those assignments. And then we go through, you know, I, I don't have a lot of responsibilities, Travis, you and I've talked about this a lot. My, I really delegate a lot. And so we go through all the things that they have going on in their day. And then after that, I take care of a few, whatever emails I have to. And then I'm usually meeting with athletes because I meet with all of my athletes once every two weeks, which is the best part of my day. I go spend an hour with an athlete or 45 minutes with each, with a different athlete every day, um, if not two or three. But right before practice, I block out an hour where I have nothing. Like it's on my schedule. Like I'm just not going to be bothered. Like nothing's going to happen in that time so that I can just kind of get my head right for practice and make sure like watch whatever video I feel like I need to watch, whatever preparation I don't feel like I've really dove into, but more importantly, get myself and my mindset right for practice just to be there and be present and make sure that I'm teaching. I think that's the thing that like I, I think that I struggle with because I, 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 I come across very common in my mind like I'm ready to kill everybody in practice most of the time. And so I have to have that where I'm in a very calm space and I'm thinking, teach, 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 as opposed to being, being frustrated. And so I kind of tell myself that story, if you will, just about like, Hey, here's the things that I got to focus on. Here's where my attention needs to be on all these drills. And I need to be here for them and kind of put myself there and then practice. And then I come home and usually have dinner with my family. And, you know, after that, um, watch whatever video I can and, you know, do whatever else. So. That's kind of my day. Yeah. That's great. John. Yeah. I feel like mine's a little bit more changing. I, I, I don't know. Maybe I've been in this like quarantine mode so much where like every, like it's not as consistent as going to the office every day, but I can say like for right now, what I've been doing, I've been in that habit of like one, once I wake up, I do a little like 10 minute meditation. And then same thing. I try to knock out as many recruiting emails, administrative emails, things like that. I get as much of that stuff that's not so fun done. Um, I guess before that, I take my daughter to school. I've been trying to do more time with, uh, I'll do like probably after this, actually, I'll go I'll play the drums for 20 minutes. So I'll just go bang on them for a little bit. Uh, and that's usually pretty fun. Um, and then now, yeah, more Zoom sessions, kind of checking in with athletes, um, especially when we're going, I meet with uh, once a week with each girl. Um, and just like Kevin said, I think probably the best part of the week, um, kind of checking in, see where, seeing where they're at. 
uh, I, I wish I was like Kevin and, and maybe I need to do that is block off an hour before practice starts. Uh, cause I feel like I'm just always running around. <laughs> uh, and like, I, I mean, I already said when I was heading to practice, I had to remind myself that I was just walking. Um, and you know, I think it would be good if I slowed myself down a little bit before practice. I usually actually write practice the night before. Um, I have a little, especially being on the beach, we have a, I have a portable whiteboard. So I, I don't have like a locker room where I can just pull it out. And so I'm sitting here after I put my daughter to bed, I, you know, write it all out on the whiteboard. And so I have a lot of that already done. And I guess I, it feels like as a coach, there's just like, there's, you're consumed. There's always something you can be doing to be getting better or to be making your team better. So it's like, as soon as I put my daughter down, it's like, all right, watch the film on each girl, you know, write out practice. Um, and then, uh, you know, figure out how I'm going to execute it. So and then I'll I'll send it out like I'll email it out to my to the coaches so they have a heads up on on what's going on, um, but yeah I don't know it's it's I feel like it's all over the place. <laughs> I probably need some more structure. I need to go uh, observe Kevin for a couple of weeks and mm. figure out how to make it better. <laughs> but do you have that consistent time in the morning that you kind of start your day with? You said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wake up and give myself a couple minutes. Yeah. 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 Love it, love it, guys. Good stuff, Kevin. Thanks for joining us. We'll have to have you back on. To, to catch up with how storytelling is going. And I, I, by the way, I love that you share in the middle of it, that there's no nice clean bow wrapped on it and we're awesome. And this worked out great that it's like a, we get to, we get to almost join you in your journey of like, man, this is what we're trying to do. So let's, this is, this is our hope. Let's see what happens. So yeah, we'll have to have you on in a couple months to see how it's going. Sounds great. Thanks for, and John, thanks for sharing what you're, what you're learning. It's really cool. Appreciate it. Yeah. 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 I'm excited to, uh, to help my players become better storytellers. So thanks for your, your stuff. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, if you would share it with a coach or a leader who you think would find this information helpful, I would appreciate it. Also, if you would rate and review, that would help us out a lot. Spread the word about coaching DNA. So thank you for listening. Until next time.